0: If you're curious, confused, or contemplating what to consider when thinking about having a baby, this podcast is for you. New Zealand registered dietitian and owner of Oh Goodness Nutrition, Hannah Erickson, uh, that's me, interviews a range of folks on their fertility journey, and I chat about the latest nutritional guidance to help support you and your future family as it grows. Each month on the show has a different focus. For January, it was about super common conditions that can affect fertility like PCOS and endometriosis. Next month, we home in on egg health. Why does it matter and how can we improve it? While this show is mostly chatting with amazing folk, more specific nutrition talk, facts and support is available for you both on the Oh Goodness Nutrition blog page, and that's at ognutrition.co.nz, and on our Instagram, ohgoodness__nutrition. Now on today's show, I want to introduce to you Chantelle. Chantelle is passionate about letting others see how endometriosis can massively affect lives. She lives in Auckland with her partner and her very, very cute cat. Well, I'm so keen to get into what your experience with Endometriosis is like so. First up, why don't you tell us then um, what is it like for those of us who don't know? Uh, what's it like living with endometriosis?
1: I think the main thing I would say is that you like you don't look sick. Um, you look normal, you know, apart from the odd day where you might look a little pale or. You have to really cry your eyes out. You don't ever really look like you are in pain. So I think that's the biggest thing is trying to to show people that this is an illness that literally destroys your body from the inside. Um, and quite often, it's hard to see it from the outside. Um, you know, if you tell someone that you've got a chronic illness, they think that you either need to, you know, look slightly different than the normal person or even be in a wheelchair sometimes or be using crutches and you know that's what they think chronic illness is um but living with endo is like silently living in pain I guess um because you know you can say to someone I've got pelvic pain but they can't see it and the few times that people very close to me have seen it has been either just before a surgery or just after a surgery Or when I've literally had to go to A and E because I was in that much pain. That's the only time I think you know people close to me have ever seen what it does to your body. The term "silent
0: sufferer" (laughs) popped into my mind. Like it's you've got this thing, and I imagine it would feel deeply isolating.
1: Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, and it's also quite difficult because so many people there's this stigmatism around. um, You know, women have periods, and you can't talk about it, and it's complete taboo basically and that if it's painful oh it's just when you have your period that's what people thinking though is is like okay she's got her period so her pain is bad and she's you know not feeling well for four days and then after the four days she's fine but what people don't realize is that it's a twenty four seven thing um and it doesn't just affect your period or you know the women's health stuff it can affect anything from like pain you get like i've got very bad hip pain for example um just walking down the stairs in the wrong way can flare that pain up you know there's some girls that actually have endo on their lungs and that's why they have asthma like it's not just a you know women's
0: uterus thing <laughs> yeah
1: it, but it literally yeah. it's it, it affects your entire body get up in the morning and you think okay you know if you eat this for breakfast how is it going to affect my pain today because if you've had I mean most people with endo have gastro problems it's just you know it comes with it but especially if you've had endo on your bowel removed like I have your gastro problems are really really bad like from allergies to certain food triggers to IBS like all that stuff so from when you get up in the morning going to work you know if someone at work brings like morning tea and you have to explain how but you're gluten free or you have a allergy to this or you know there's blueberries in this muffin and blueberries trigger my endosymptoms so it's this whole kind of vicious cycle of constantly thinking how your body's going to react to something and then you have days where the pain i had a day like that yesterday where the pain was so bad that driving home i couldn't even feel my foot on the petrol or on the break like that's how bad the pain was um and I woke up this morning and the pain's not gone and I've had to cancel having dinner with friends tonight because the pain is that bad so you know what I mean like it's it's just like some days you can manage how you go throughout the day and then other days it's like you literally just have to give up and say okay (laughs) you know you're gonna live in pain Um,
0: and you don't always know why there is so much pain
1: you, that's the thing it's the the trigger can be stress the trigger can be food the trigger can be ovulation or you know that kind of time after your period um it can be your period or literally it to me sometimes it's just like my body's just reminding me that she's still there and she you know like <laughs> just wants to let me know like hey <laughs> don't forget like. me <laughs> yeah so it's just it's it's always there like it's never gone um I can maybe say out of the whole entire month, I maybe have one day a month where I'm like, man, I feel good. Like, you know, it's, and that's normally like the day that I'll work in the garden because I know that my body's not going to murder me the next day. Um, So it controls every aspect of your life.
0: Chronic pain definitely consumes everything from how you sleep to how stressed you are to how, I don't know, you relate to your partner even, you know, but then thinking about, it's not just that, but you're thinking the food you eat. Yeah. Yeah. Wang, and 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 am I if I do this, am I going to live with pain? So have you gotten to a point where you're just like, stuff it. I'm probably going to be in pain, and I'm okay with that.
1: I've had I've had those moments, um but then like I over the Christmas holidays, I had coffee with a friend, and I got like a blueberry gluten free muffin without even thinking about the blueberry. Like didn't even think about it, and I got halfway through eating it, and I realized. Why am I eating blueberries? But I just, I was enjoying the moment and sitting on the bed and yeah. having a coffee with a friend. But that afternoon when I got home and I was like, oh, like I don't feel too bad. Like, you know, maybe maybe my body's okay with this again because that's what endo is like. It's like up and down. But maybe two hours after getting home, I had a rash on my legs. Like I felt like I had a stomach bug. Like I was itchy. I had a fever. That's kind of what it is. Like you can get to a point where you're like, I'm just going to enjoy my life. But then it, endo just, hits back at you and the thing is you might say to someone it's my endo acting up and they will look at you and say but endo is in your uterus like how is eating a blueberry making you sick and it's like wow endo has completely destroyed my gut it also like in my last surgery my um, small intestine was twisted around itself because of where endo used to sit so it's like all that stuff has been ruined by endo. So, you know, it's now causing this response to my immune system. But people, a lot of people don't understand that when you go through and explain it. But it's, and they say that you can, if you have like stage four endo compared to stage one endo, the stage one endo person could have more pain than stage four because stage four was caught cool earlier. Um, yes. Whereas, you know, like I started my first period when I was 11. So, and I wasn't diagnosed until I was 23 so that's a very long time of having time. those growths in my body and heavy periods and you know like hormones and stuff the doctors put me on so I think that's why mine is as bad as it is is because it wasn't yeah. for that long before they yeah yeah discovered it I guess
0: yeah and so you just put up with really painful periods and thought it was or told I it was, it was-
1: I thought it was completely normal like completely completely normal even in high school I like I would stay home from school like you know two or three days every month when I had my period and when I when I was first diagnosed with endo I didn't really talk about it much and then when I started getting vocal about it and I told like the girls or some of my close friends or even my mum they were all like is that really how bad you suffered and some of them saying to me like their periods aren't even that painful like you know there's a little bit of a cramp there also or like you know well your mood's a bit affected but I just thought how I felt was normal until I you know yeah. especially yeah. after like 10 years of being friends with some of my close friends and only just then telling them how painful it was I I never knew that it wasn't normal um yeah until I had the right doctor that was like you yeah, no. <laughs>
0: It's, this is it's not normal like
1: this so what
0: kind of procedures have you had to go through then on your endo journey
1: yes my very first procedure was a like laparoscopy um, to see if there's endo I did have endo on my left and my right side but it was mainly um around my bowel and um in my pouch of Douglas we
0: can google that one
1: yeah it's, it's a bit <laughs> great I think if you read like the whole thing <laughs> But I know that, um, like on my follow up appointments, the surgeon did explain to me that it's to remove it from your pouch of Douglas can be quite hard um, because it's in such an awkward place. Um, But she is a very skilled surgeon and she came highly recommended. So I just thought it was fine. Um, I also opted for the treatment of having an IUD placed, um, you know, so that the periods could be more manageable. And she was. It's, it's such an argument in the endo community um, but she's one of those surgeons that says once you've had your first surgery and you've had it removed and you have an IUD you're pretty much set for life was her philosophy so I obviously went through recovery which was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life um, it was the most painful thing it I had no idea that like three little incisions like that could I mean obviously they removed stuff from my body but it was very very hard to go through and um, maybe like two months into recovery, the pain came back again. But on top of that, I was having um, bladder infections. Now I've always had bladder infections since being a kid, but this was like next level, something's not right, what's going on sort of thing. And my periods disappeared completely. Um, And I'm sure if you talk to any other girl with a hormone condition, having regular periods you, that's how you know you're okay <laughs> yeah so I went back to her and with my follow-up appointments and I explained all these things to her and she literally said to me you just need to relax and everything will be fine I at first I went away and I thought okay let's just not you know it's kind of nice not having a period so let's just not worry about it um and that probably went on for about nine months or so of this pain um so my GP referred me to another doctor and at this point I'd probably have like six or seven UTIs and kidney infections that just weren't going away so this new gynecologist then wanted to perform a procedure where she checks whether or not I could have cervical cancer Um, and she did like a big swab and just you know this is that's the procedure she wanted to do but to me that was quite difficult because at that point I had my regular smear test I was still quite young I didn't really understand why I would be that you know they'd literally just operated on me nine months ago. So this doctor just messed me around with quite a, you know, she was kind of experimenting, like trying all sorts of different things. Um, so after that, I was like, I just, I can't, you know, the doctors just aren't listening to me. So I went back to my GP um, at the start of 2020, being in all this pain, having had all these UTIs, like just all these infections after infections, and she came back and she said that there is high infection markers. Um, so they sent me for like an emergency ultrasound and it turned out that the IUD had completely dislodged itself and was on its way to piercing my cervix. Oh and my been goodness. it going on for like months. Um, so I had to go to A&E and it was like a whole, I was meant to have like surgery to have it removed because of how deep my body had pushed it. Um, but being good old AE in the public system, the doctors kind of looked at all my notes like, oh, this is very interesting. Um, and I had a procedure where if a doctor came in and this was at like midnight. So my mum oh. and my partner had gone home from the hospital and she took me to like a room and she basically clamped me up and did all these things and told me to cough and I coughed and she couldn't reach it. Um, and I could literally feel like this... I don't know scissors or whatever it was like up to my belly button like that's how much I could feel it and she said she couldn't get it so she said oh we'll book you in for surgery the next morning and they sent me back to the bed with no pads no painkillers nothing I was just bleeding because she'd obviously just scraped I don't know what but I was literally just bleeding and um, I had to like use toilet paper because the nurses wouldn't give me anything Um, it was the worst experience I've ever had and it really Like my heart goes out to girls that have to go through the public system after that experience. And then the next morning, luckily my mom just got there as a doctor and four trainee gynecologists because all this is very interesting. This girl has endo and her her body has tried to expel her IUD. So these five doctors take me into a room, do the whole process again. And then luckily this doctor was quite amazing and he was like cough. So I coughed and the thing just came out. (laughs) Oh, wow so that whole procedure was quite traumatic um yes and caused a lot of stuff that I just I still can't get over it was very difficult um yeah so that was like the second procedure I guess that I had um my third procedure was actually with a new gynecologist that's like the best in New Zealand you know like he's supposed to be quite amazing um he took me for a can't even say the word, but basically they put a camera into your bladder um, and they see how your bladder reacts to fluids being pumped into it. And that's how I got diagnosed with interstitial cystitis, because he was like your textbook, all these things. Um, And during that procedure, he also put Botox into my pelvic floor because he believed the pain that I was having was from endo damaging nerves um so so I had all that done and I had a pretty good rest of my 2020 like it wasn't too bad obviously we had lockdown so I was at home and you know things were okay and then at the beginning of last year um my periods came back um because after they removed the Mirena but so I just didn't get periods wasn't on hormones nothing my periods just didn't come back which is, was very concerning to me Um, but it's just like, yeah, they came back and they came back with like a, I haven't been here for two years. Hello. It's yeah, it was, it was like, I've just never experienced any pain like that before in my life. And so I went back to this new gynecologist and long story short, he booked me in for another laparoscopy. So then I had another surgery, um, but that just didn't really show anything. The only thing he could find was that the small intestine was um, kinked or twisted around itself from old lesions um there was there were no new lesions so that's good it just shows that you know my body hasn't kind of gone back to producing the growth. um most likely because I didn't have a period for so long yeah um so yeah so he pretty much did that and sent me on my way and said you're fine now you'll be all good um but yeah turns out I'm not all good there's still quite a lot of pain going on still have heavy periods and I've been on and off hormones to try and regulate, you know, cause I've got a very amazing GP that's trying to look after things. Um, but just there, there hasn't been an improvement. So it's kind of like we're almost back to square one after the first procedure.
0: It really gives you a sense of, I don't know, is empathy the right word? Just hearing you sort of say, what you've been through. And again, every woman's story is different and and you're sharing what you've experienced. So for any endo listeners out there, you know, don't use this as like a a worst case as as if this is going to happen to you, right? Sometimes we love to listen to the gory, but Chantal, I mean, what you're sharing is like, would also be some people's experiences. yeah, Um, And just to know kind of I suppose for you what I'm taking out is you're tenacious. Like you will keep fighting for yourself and advocating for your own um, well-being and you'll look at different guines and you'll look at different specialists and try and kind of get to the bottom of the issue. And it is a it sounds like an uphill battle, but you know, you're yeah, you're really fighting for it and you don't stop until you kind of get where you need to go. So well done, yeah, because that's that takes a lot of courage.
1: I think a lot of um girls will say this about endo as well. It's just the more doctors realize that endo isn't just in your uterus and how much it affects you the better our treatment will get Um, i Mm. think that's the biggest thing um Mm. i am very lucky that i have a urologist that is the most amazing doctor that i've ever had in my life um and she listens to every pain she listens to every issue that i have and without her i would still be like how do i manage this bladder condition so that is, that's the one thing about my journey that I can say I'm very happy with is I luckily had a doctor that she's just always listened to me when it came to that stuff. And she's always treated me as endo and your bladder. This is what endo has done to your bladder. Now you have this condition, how do we manage it? So that, that's, that's been really good. That is wonderful.
0: Yeah. yeah. Has anything at all helped you manage pain?
1: I think the, the things that have probably helped the most um, I would say it's my diet, you know, and the supplements and things like that that I take. Um, I never thought that that's what would what would help. I always thought it's like, you know, hormones and painkillers and pelvic floor therapy and, you know, all that sort of stuff, um, self-care and whatnot. But it's, my diet has been a very, very big influence. Um, and that might, that might just be because the endo has always been near my bowel. You know, that could be a big reason for it. Um, but yeah, that's, I think so far, that's my, been my biggest pain management tool at this that's point.
0: That's amazing to hear. So how have you changed your diet then to help manage symptoms?
1: Um, the biggest thing is recognizing foods that trigger you um and it's a hard one to realize at first you know there's so many good things you have to give up (laughs) especially with my bladder condition as well there's there's some things that I cannot even touch at all otherwise my bladder will just go crazy um and it's also realizing and recognizing that these diet changes as hard as they are the longer you stick to it the more results you see um uh, like the gluten-free thing I was adamant i'd never go gluten-free even after being told that i was gluten intolerant and having had all the tests um i just didn't want to hear it because bread is so good (laughs) but the longer that i've been gluten-free it's just the most amazing thing um the pain is you know it's obviously still there but my period pain has been a thousand times better after going gluten-free no idea why and how that affects it not if it's like a hormone thing but it's been
0: amazing yeah wow so something that you can control something that you can change like diet actually has had the biggest impact on on your pain um that's tremendous and I suppose when you from my perspective like thinking of diet and foods that we eat um trying to figure out what's causing what can actually be such a a landmine you know like it's so hard to know as you said what's causing what so you kind of do need to go about it in a systematic way probably i would say with support um from sort of a a nutrition professional who's familiar with it so that you don't end up just excluding foods because you suspect that they might be causing it but actually you haven't really tested it in a in a systematic way so you know that blueberries gluten you know and there are other things as well that trigger your pain and we've done that and we've tested it um and you're pretty sure and you know without a shadow of a doubt that it causes it and so you don't needlessly restrict um yeah. but you you do kind of manage what you need to yeah
1: and i think for girls out there that want to go start, you know go down the diet path i think it's important to have a professional help you that has you know like you say experience in it because if you just google what diet to eat with endo it's a low FODMAP diet but there's stuff in the low FODMAP diet that triggers my pain so it's kind of you know every person is Mm. so individual and I would also say alongside doing the food thing is that therapy has helped me a lot and it sounds really stupid at first when you say I go to therapy to talk about pain um but it is it it, to be able to talk to someone that doesn't know you personally that doesn't have a personal connection to you you can literally just tell like there's things that I tell my therapist that I haven't even told my bestest friends or my mum, or my partner um, and it's just because she gets it because she you know she specializes in that sort of pain field and she's also got a chronic illness so she totally just gets it when you talk to her about it um, and alongside that in the food thing I think has helped me a lot um, because she's also made me realize that when you've when you've got pain um it's like you know having PTSD it's you've got all this pain and then this pain can cause feelings and things to come up from your past for example if you went through something quite bad um and that can affect your pain and then it's like vicious cycle so that's one thing she's helped me with a lot is to understand when the pain is triggered why is it triggered how is it triggered and then kind of how you talk to yourself about the pain and um One big thing that she's taught me is having a toolbox. So you can get your toolbox off when you are in pain. And my diet and the stuff that we've worked on is a very big part of my toolbox. You know, there might be some girls that don't need to take any supplements and can just change their diet. So it's so individual that you kind of, you need a little bit of help from the outside to, yeah, manage that pain.
0: To manage it. And what you're saying as well is it involves more than one specialist potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So you've kind of added to your repertoire of, yeah. So you've got therapists, you've got dietitians, you've got um, gynecologists you've got urologists, you've got your GP, you've got all these people in your corner yeah. surrounding yourself with lots of different specialists who love this field and, and are passionate about helping women in it. Oh yeah. I think that's awesome. Very, very good. Yeah. Wow. 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 So what do you wish then you had known when you were first diagnosed
1: I think the biggest thing is how much it can affect your physical health, but also your mental health and all the other conditions and issues or whatever that comes with it. That it's not just a bad period. That's the biggest thing that I wish. And one thing that I will say, and I've always been extremely, extremely loud about this, is that talk about it. I will, for the rest of my life, post photos of me in tears or I will get confident enough to post a photo of how bad my bloating can be, for example. Um, but that is, those are two things. It's, um, you've got to be vocal about it because if we are vocal about it, there's going to be other girls that's going to answer the same question by saying, you know, I wish I knew how much more this condition causes or how much it affects my mental health. Um, so yeah. I think, yeah, those are the things that I wish I kind of knew in the beginning.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love it. I mean, even you saying it, right, like someone's going to listen to this and be like, right, <laughs> Chantal said it, so, you know, I'm going to talk about it even if it's scary because it's yeah. going to make the difference. And as you said earlier as well, it's like the the louder you are as a community, the more changes you're going to see in your favor. Um, and as someone who works myself, someone who works in endo as well, my job is to advocate and support um, and come alongside. While we didn't specifically touch on it, Chantal and I worked on figuring out her personalized diet because she knows she wants to start trying for a family soon. Endometriosis can sometimes make it hard to conceive. So if you are a person living with endometriosis and you think that you might want to have children soonish, hey, it's a good idea to sort your nutrition out before you start trying. Endo is an inflammatory condition, and by simply reducing certain types of foods that fuel inflammation. And by enjoying more foods that help your body fight it, you can also experience a reduction in pain like Chantal did. So you've got a few choices. One, you can keep this info at the back of your mind. Give us a follow on Instagram, oh goodness underscore nutrition. You could book a quick fix call and that's just 20 minutes to get a quick answer to determine maybe a single change that you can make right now. And that costs $40. Or you can go ahead and get the whole shebang and book a nutrition assessment where you get your personalized plan um, support and everything else that
1: you need to feel amazing. I'll see you in the next show.